Thank you. So, yeah, you can stay oh, yeah. here. Stay yeah. here. We, we want to pray over uh, Pastor Stephen and the youth group and uh, Michaela. I don't know if she's... Is she she's in, in nursery. She's in nursery. Thank you for your service there, girl. Um, hey, church, would you pray for these guys? They face a lot of stuff, a lot going on in their lives. A lot of them come from various types of uh, homes and, and relationships. And so we just want to ask God to protect them and also that he would take what he's already planted in them and that it would fully develop in their life. So we want to bless you guys. Thank you. You are not just being sent to the basement. We love you. And we want you to be there to be together and for God to do something in your lives. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for every one of these lives that are here. They're growing up in a culture that's confused, broken, misled, misguided. And God, for that, we ask forgiveness for those that us that are parents and adults. If we'd allowed this nation to get so far off track, forgive us. We ask for your peace, for your presence, for your power to be manifested in our youth. God, that you would transform them. Let them know that you are the hope and the answer to life and that you would use them to change this world. Lord, <laughs> change this world. We love you. We ask your blessing over them in the service that they are going to partake in. And God bless Pastor Stephen, Michaela, and all the workers that help in this ministry area. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you. Sixth grade to senior in high school. If you guys are not up here, we're going to meet downstairs. Yes. So youth are going down to their service. Uh, they do that on the end of the last Sunday of every month. They have their own service with Pastor Stephen down there besides their Wednesdays. I come into the church early every Sunday. Somebody lost an earring. It's right here. It's a loop. If you're missing it, you can get it afterwards. Um, um, so I get here early, like around 6.30 on Sunday mornings to, uh, you know, like set up and unlock and all that kind of stuff. And when I pulled in, one of these youth that were up here on the platform, I'm not going to single you out, sweetheart, so don't worry, was sitting by those doors outside in her dress waiting for us to open the doors today not sure when everything was going to start but she's been here since 6 30 this morning to be in church and to be here and uh you know at first when i saw her i was worried about her concerned like what's going on and where are you from and your brokenness and she was like i'm supposed to see pastor dave here and i'm coming to church today and she's brand new so she was standing up here she's been in the church youth group two weeks she went to that camp She's the one that gave her life to Christ. And she's, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, that's amazing. My heart was just like, you know, how, like, humbled and how blessed and how challenged I was that that young lady as a teenager was here at 630 and walked here from a long ways away to be here because she didn't want to miss church today after a week at camp, you know. God's amazing. He's doing something. Remember last Sunday I said the Spirit of God is doing something. I don't know what it all is, but God is moving, and He is. And God, I'm telling Him, and I want to share with you, church, I want to be a part of what God's doing. 
I don't want to just hear about it or somebody text me from another church that God's doing this. I want him to say, I want to send the text and say, you would not believe what God is doing. I, I sometimes when I'm in groups with pastors, don't say anything. I'm like, you know, every time we get together, I could say the same thing. And some of them think you're lying when you just say, God's amazing and the spirit of God's moving and yeah, or whatever. You got all kinds of problems. We know the truth behind that. No, I want you to know that with all of our brokenness and our screwed up stuff that we have here in CFF, the spirit of God is moving and it's awesome. And I am super excited about what he's doing because this is the thing that God is doing that's going to transform the city of Tucson. It begins in us within the walls of God's church. And so I want you to know that if this is your first Sunday, we expect you to be here next Sunday. I mean, you should be. I mean, God's calling you and you've already heard and it was through your friend or whoever invited you or however you found us. It's the spirit of God moving. And if this is your 10th year of being in the church or whatever it is for you, I want you to know there's new things for you in God and he can't wait to see what he's about to do in your life. That's some cool stuff right there, isn't it? Oh God, I'm ready. We are not a perfect church. We're broken. So you look around you and think, man, this doesn't look right here. I want you to know it does look right. This is what people look like that are following Christ. We look like you. We're messed up. We've been messed up. We found the answer to our brokenness and it's Jesus. And we're being transformed by the power of God into Christ likeness all the while. And so if you think we're messed up, you should have seen us last week. And we want you to come next week so you can see what God's doing because he's changing us. That's why I'm telling you, come on back, all right? And if you're tuning in online, you should come and see us live. If you're somewhere else, we're glad you're here with us too. God bless you. Every week we ask you some accountability questions. You spend at least five minutes, five days last last week in God's word, listening to it or reading it. Did you do that? Did you share a God story with someone this week? But just spend some time alone with him with no agenda, just to be with him. Yes. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Yes. Are you being obedient to that? Yes. I don't normally ask that, just kind of messing you up. Ah. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yes. Not one of those, all of those. Are you doing it? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. Did you invite someone to church with you this week? Have you been praying and working on God's goal for us this year, but it's forever? It's the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. Are you, each one of you, reaching someone for Christ, teaching them what it means to be a follower of Christ? Are you doing that? You guys are awesome. So here we are. It's another week. Isn't that crazy? It seems like I turn around and it's Sunday again. When I was a kid, you know, um, I shared this and the other kids are gone now, so I'm safe to say this. You know, I hated school. So I'm still in school and I'm 56. God's teaching me something, okay? But anyway, I hated school when I was in school. I couldn't wait. The only reason I was there is my friends, sports, and and something else that I did that I didn't want to do. Uh, I shouldn't have been doing, I should say. Like partying and junk like that, you know? Um, So that's the only reason I was there. And I couldn't wait to get out. And so I graduated in the year of 1980, which, you know, that'll tell you how old I am and stuff. But I was really young. I just wanted to know I started school at four, graduated, and I was only 17. So anyway, um, so t- <laughs> anyway, while I was in school, it seemed like life was in slow motion, and it would never end. And it's kind of like that when you're someplace you don't want to be. Hopefully it won't be like that before I'm done today. 
And so on my, uh, on all my papers and all my stuff, I would write 1980. It was like the year of my release. I was going to get set free. I was going to get out of that prison of school. And I couldn't wait. Like it was counting down like the marks on a wall of a prison chamber that I was like, man, I can't wait to get out of here and live life. I didn't know what I was doing. Obviously, you all know that now. Uh, you have these ideas of thinking like you're going to be free. I'll do what I want. I'm going to let my kids get high. They're going to smoke bat. I mean, you're stupid when you're young, you know. You do all kinds of dumb things, thoughts in your mind and stuff. So I can't wait to get out of there. It's never happening. And now it's like, I already said it's 1980, and I'm looking back. I'm like, how many years have I been graduated? Let me see if I can do some basic math here for a minute. Uh, good Lord, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's crazy. So it was like this first 18, 17. I graduated when I was 17. The first 17 years of my life was slow motion, and then somebody hit the NOS button. <laughs> and like, here I am. And I'm like, what in the world is going on, man? And here we are. And last Sunday as we were preaching God's word, and, and, and here we are this Sunday, and we can't even remember what was there because there's been so much happening, but it was yesterday. And I'm going to ask you something. Now that another week has passed, have you grown in your faith? Do you know God more than you ever have? What is God talking with you about in your life? What's he talking to you about? So you weren't ready about, well, good, I'm glad you know. So, all right, he's going to affirm that, and so now you've got to surrender to all of that. Whatever you were confessing out loud, today's the day. I mean that kindly, I'm serious. So here's the deal. Um, as we walk with God, remember, we're born again when we accept Christ as our Savior, and that terminology is not just a term Jesus is teaching us something about a new life. We understand that life is beginning. And so now as we're born again, he's saying there's a new life that is starting. And now we have to grow up in that new life. So it doesn't matter how old you are. When you are saved, forgiven, born again, you start life anew. And now God's doing a work in us. And the work that God is doing us in us is a transformation of who I was to who I am becoming which is Christ-like. And so when I'm saved, that means I'm forgiven. That doesn't mean I'm Christ-like. You know yourself. But what happens then is the Holy Spirit is put within us, and now He is leading us in this new life of transformation. The work of God is done in the cross. The Spirit of God is there, and now God is at work transforming me into Christ-likeness. So, the end result that God is looking for is for me to be Christ in this world. Not the Christ, but Christ in this world. So people looking at Dave should see Jesus. That's God's work at, that is happening in us. So when we say we're not a perfect church or a perfect people, we're here because we know we need God's help. He's provided that help through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We want to invite you to join us on this amazing adventure of transformation done by God through us in our lives. So when we invite people to come to know Jesus, we're saying, hey, we want you to start on a journey that we have started on that is so incredible that I can't imagine living without him now. We want people to understand there is hope for them. There's real life and it's found in Christ and Christ alone. I'm going to read you some verses we read last week. I don't know if any of your friends walking out of the 
uh, last service, uh, 9.15, I think we start that. Uh, yes, if they were telling you, be aware, uh, or not, but I just want you to know that we might be here a little while. So just relax, okay? There's coffee over there. You're not going to be late, I, I promise you. So God is talking to us, and he's calling us to something, and he wants us to, to, to get real. Church, if you know me, I live a transparent life. I preach and live a transparent life. I'm not... I just want you to know. Um, I'm going to read some scriptures I read last week to you, but we're going to continue on from there. It's just like kind of a touch and a go from where we were. And it's found in Second Peter chapter 3. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, he was talking about the end times, in case you don't know where we are. And he was saying like, hey guys, this world is going to just be obliterated by God. And so what are we doing about it? Here's the scripture. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along, on that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. So pause. This is why we might be here a while. I'm just going to let you know something right here. We want to teach God's word and learn what truth is and understand the word of God. So here's a, here's a thing. When there's false faiths and there's many out there, lying truths that try and twist God's word and teach something not biblical. When we know God's word, we know that there is false teaching going on when we hear it. And so, when a Jehovah's Witness person knocks on your door, who they don't know Jesus as their Savior, they don't. I'm just letting you know, I know their doctrine, I know what they teach. It's a false faith, it's from the devil. If you're from the Jehovah's Witnesses, I'm glad you're here. Hear the truth of God's word, because I'm going to share with you what God's Word says in their Bible as well. They added a book, but they have our Bible, the whole Bible, God's Bible, with their book. So I'm reading this scripture, which I point them to right here in this Word, because what they're telling their people is this. you got to work your way to heaven. God's Word doesn't say that. It says the work comes because of the relationship. It's not to get a relationship. So it's a response to, that's a false teaching. The other thing they're saying is that 144,000 is all that are going to heaven, and those slots are filled by the first people of the Jehovah's Witness Church. So the people that are left behind, as far as they are under that number, are working to have a place on earth. Here's what God's Word says. This place is melting. It's going to be destroyed. So I ask them, like, so you think you're going to be here? Look, turn to Second Peter chapter 3. And read what that says. Because this place is going to burn. Do you know what hell is? It's fire and it's consuming fire. I said, so it sounds to me like you're going to end up in hell. I'm just saying. And so I don't want to be here. And I don't have to be here because Jesus promised I don't have to be and neither do you. If you put your faith in Christ, you don't have to work to try and stay in a place that's going to get destroyed by God. You can be with Him. And it's not for 144,000. Read the Bible. In the book of Revelation, John saw God upon the throne. Jesus, the Lamb of God in front. And what did He tell us? 
There were multitudes upon multitudes of people from every nation and every tongue worshiping the Lamb of God. That's not 144,000, folks. Come on. Know what the Bible says. We're just chasing after whatever. Know what God says. Live what God says. The truth will set you free. We don't have to listen to that garbage. This is God's word. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along on that day, He will set the heavens on fire. Not us. We're not going to destroy the earth. God is. Come on, people. This is God's word. He will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth He has promised and a world filled with God's righteousness. God's righteousness. God's going to destroy sin and death and the devil and all that is with it. He's casting it out. We're going to live in God's righteousness. That's future. Now here we go. Ready for this? Now we got to do something. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. We're living for God. No one else. Living for God. A life that is pleasing to God. Our identity, our self-worth, our who we are and what we do. It's for Him. It's all about Him. It's not about those people next to you. It's not about the people that live with you. It's not the people you work with. You live for Him. And as a result of living for Him, it affects those people who live with you, work with you, and are surrounded by you. Because that's God's work. The work of transformation, of making me Christ like God is at work and doing something. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also writes to you with wisdom of God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all right, all that, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, those things that Paul wrote to the churches. This is what Peter writing the church is referencing. So hear what he tells us. You ready? Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. You ever had some difficulties when you're reading through some of that stuff? Like in Romans, it's like, mm, wait a minute. All right, don't get stuck there. Relax. Let's move on and let God speak. So here we go. Ready? Some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends. Church, you already know these things. You can't be screwed up. You can't be messed with because you know the truth. Thank you, all three of you that know it. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on your guard then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people (laughs) and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a clear teaching of our responsibility to accurately know what God's Word says in order to know when we're being taught things that are not spiritual, that are not scripturally clear that are not scriptural truth. 
All right? So come on now. I'm going to invite you on a journey with God to his truth, to life transformation, to you and I being made new like Christ. This is the word of God. This understanding of God's word comes through our development, our growth, and maturation. So we started on this journey. How many of you have been saved? You received Christ as your Savior. Hey, you're on a journey. The Spirit of God is leading, and He's working. And what He's doing is, as you grow and mature in your faith, you're being transformed and changed. All right. The Word of God, as Peter writes to the church, says, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I asked you, is your faith more today than it was last Sunday? Are you growing? Do you know Him more? How can you grow in grace if you're not living your faith daily? How can you? See, if you're just showing up on church on Sundays and checking the box, you're not growing in your faith. You're going to church. You're fulfilling your religious obligation. You're trying to score points with God, thinking that He's going to grade you in the end like, oh, you did pretty good. You were there pretty often. I'm going to just, yep, come on in. Not the way it is. God's transforming us, and He's trying to help us to grow. To grow in your knowledge. If you're not spending time in God's Word, you can't grow and increase your knowledge of God. So, I ask you some accountability questions every week. So I'm gonna, I am gonna um, speak harshly, but it's not in love. Just want to be clear with you. What I'm about to say is, can come across harshly. It's not. It's meant in love, but it's correction. Not if you don't need to be corrected, then sit there and take it and smile and say thank you, Jesus. <laughs> if you do, take a little smack and say thank you, Jesus. You ready? I ask you a question every Sunday. Have you spent at least five minutes, five days last week, either listening or reading God's Word? I just want you to know that that's a nursery question. That's a baby question. So I'm going to keep asking it because what we're trying to do is we understand we're at different levels of growth. And the only way we're going to grow is to spend time in God's Word. But if all I'm doing is trying to meet my quota of five minutes, five days, and yeah, got it done. You're not growing. And you're a baby. And here's the thing. As I spend time in God's Word, this is what the Word of God says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So my understanding of God grows by the by the time and, and input the Word of God has in my life, I begin to understand God more. So as my brain increases in understanding of God through His Word, my heart expands in the understanding of who God is. And the Spirit of God is what reveals that truth of the Word of God to this little brain. Because my brain can't comprehend God. I don't understand Him. But the Spirit of God will just give us the understanding, which is called wisdom from God, to know Him more. And all of a sudden, my faith increases because in my little tiny brain, I get a glimpse of God's greatness. And in that moment, I increase my faith. And He is more in all than He's ever been before. And Dave is transformed so he's more Christ-like than he's ever been before. No matter what he looked like before. So God's saying, would you come with me? Would you spend time with me? 
Will you listen to my voice? Church, those questions we're asking, it's like starting the journey. When some of you confessed publicly on your own, I don't know who you were, but I heard you. Uh, God saying something about trust, obedience, and another one I don't remember. God does. He heard you because he's talking to you. So as the Spirit affirms that truth, which he did, and he is, and you confessed it, what are you doing about it? Surrender. Trust and obey. Move in it. God's not just like, yeah, I'm glad you got that, and just ignoring it. He's like, I'm showing you that so that you will. Now do it. Grow up. Take some action. Move on. So those of you that are young in your faith, maybe you came from a church that didn't teach the Bible, and so it's all new to you. Well, welcome to this amazing journey with God. Those of you that have been on the journey for a little while, um, this next section of Scripture is pretty harsh. It's God's Word, so if you have a problem with it, talk to Him. All right. (laughs) Hebrews Hebrews chapter 6. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. It's time to grow up. It's time to move on. If we just keep on saying, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm sorry, forgive me, for the same thing, Grow up. Grow up. Come on. Get off it. Die to sin. Say yes to God. Grow up. Spend time with Him. Let Him transform you. Let the Spirit of God be real in you. Allow God to do a work in you. Grow up. Again, if you're new to the faith... Grow up! <laughs> but take your time. <laughs> All right. So there's an obvious need to teach the basics. We have to. But man, when we keep teaching the basics and we're like, yeah, yeah, say it, do it. Come on. He's writing to people saying, you know, don't you think it's time that we talk about other things? Don't you think it's time to learn more about this God you're serving than just the fear of coming judgment? So I'm repenting. I'll rebat. No, no disrespect to rebaptism. I just keep having to come for baptisms, forgiveness, and and I'm staying in this little cycle of self-degradation and brokenness. And it's like, when will we move in the maturity? It's the word of God, man. So those of you that are walking with Christ, maybe you've been walking with Him for a while, you're spending time in His Word, you're praying, you're growing in grace and knowledge, and um, this should reflect in who you are. People should see it in you. People should ask you. Hear me? People should be asking you, what's going on in your life? What's happening with you? See, the Word of God, that Bible thing we're talking about, It says this, be ready to give an answer 
to anyone that asks for why you have the hope that you have. So when we ask the question, are you sharing God's stories with someone? When you're living it, that opportunity is going to be there. It's going to naturally present itself because they're seeing a change in you and they don't get it because they knew you. You don't use the same language, hint. You don't tell the same stories. You don't go to the same websites. You don't gossip about people anymore. You're patient at work. You love people. You're kind. You're gentle. You're loving. They're like, what is going on with you? Hey, this is God's word. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about what God says about a new person. And when those conversations aren't happening, I'm going to ask you why are they not happening? Why are they not happening? If we're not living our faith out there, church, we're wasting our time here. I want you to come back. But if that's all we're doing, I want you to know there's so much more. So here's a little child. And if you grew up with parents that were God-minded or something, they probably taught you a little prayer like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I So that's good theology. It really is. And so what we're teaching a child is there is an eternity. There is a God. I trust him. As I go to bed tonight, I'm laying my head on my pillow. I'm resting. Now, if you taught that to your child, and now that child is 18 years old, and you go in the bedroom and say, let's pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray. We got a problem. Right? Okay. So... Grow up! Come on! God doesn't just invite us to pray like, thank you for this food, thank you for this day, sorry I screwed up again, amen. God is asking for us to grow up so that we begin to intercede. So we hear the Spirit of God when He says to us, that family is broken. Stand in the gap, love them. Go over there, knock on their door, talk to them. Whatever the Spirit of God is saying, Grow up so our prayers are not just like, fix me, touch me, help me, provide for me. Grow up. It's time for us to move on. See, the hope of Tucson is the church. It's not the world. They're following the world. That's why we have the issues we have. We have drug addiction. We have brokenness. We have alcohol addiction. We have sex slavery. We have broken families. We have broken homes. We have children that are in the streets. We got homeless people everywhere. We got problems. It can't get fixed without Jesus. And the church is the answer. Come on. That's me and you. So, When we're praying and we're saying, God, transform Tucson, God is saying, that is my goal. That is my desire. And I'm patiently waiting to end all things because I desire for Tucson to be saved. So God, yes, God, the creator of the universe is calling me and you to engage with him on this incredible mission of love see people's lives transformed and impact to see it happen prayer that i prayed many years ago god make 
Tucson, the Christian version of Sedona. I said, God, you know, everybody knows Sedona's about all that New Age garbage, lies, and the trappings of the enemy. Everybody, I, I lived in Michigan, and I knew about Sedona. never heard about Tucson, just so you know. But I, I, um, I was there, and I heard about Sedona, the New Age capital, all the mysticism, the, the, the stupid points of places where people go out there, and, and all the deception that is there, and the spiritualness that is a lie. And so in my prayer, God was convicting me and saying, come on, not only do I want to transform Tucson, but I want to save Sedona. God is the God of Sedona and Tucson. He's the God of everything. But this is what's happened. People have taken the false twisting of truth and they begin to develop along with their father, Satan, these lying spirits that deceive people. See, as the Word of God tells us that Satan is an angel of light that has come to deceive the world and his prophets and his apostles and all those with him do the same thing. So church, the thing is, is that Satan is all about church. He's all about faith. He's all about messed up untruth. It was happening in the Bible days. Peter's like, hey, you guys know this. You should know what God's Word says. These people are twisting what the Scripture says to mess you up. You should know that. You should know it by what you know and by the Spirit of truth that is within you. So let's just think about that church Peter's writing to. When we read that Scripture, they didn't have Bibles. Not one of the people in the church owned a Bible. They didn't exist. The Jews that had converted to Christianity had the Old Testament law that they knew from their minds. Now they were learning that Christ was the fulfillment of that and how to live outside of the law in the newness of the, the relationship of God and grace. The Gentiles, the pagans, us, non-Jews, didn't know about the Old Testament law. We just were following our own brokenness and our sin and all kinds of crazy spirit worship and then heard the truth, came to Christ as their Savior, and they said yes to him. And they came and became part of the church body. Now hear me. The only scripture they had were the letters that they had passed among them from the Apostle Paul that Peter wrote about and the letter Peter himself wrote to them. Our Bible. But it only passed through as it was being read to them. Now hear me. Peter says to that group of people, you know the truth. Don't be deceived by those liars that twist what the Word of God says. You already know what it says. And here we sit in the United States of America with every translation of the Bible available from a child's understanding to a doctorate in education's understanding. Every tool in the world available to us. And we are as illiterate and ignorant of the Word of God as any culture ever was. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. People are sitting in churches where the word of God is not being preached and they're being told stuff and they're just accepting it as truth because they're not spending time in the word of God, knowing what the word is saying, listening to the Holy Spirit that's convicting their heart, leading them, revealing truth about the word of God and this incredible relationship and just content to check the box when God says, no way. I demand a life. Yeah. 
I want you to put me first in your life. Nowhere else do I want to be but first. Church, this is God's truth and we need to understand it. I'm saying this in love because it's time the church grows up. One of our problems is we're relying on our intellect too much. All that I've been reading to you is about understanding God, not understanding self and the education we've been taught. We come from a history of intellectual teaching. So in the United States of America, we're an intellectual, smart nation. I didn't say we're the smartest. I'm saying we're smart. I mean that in a kind and normal way. I'm saying like church, we have more education than the vast majority of the planet. The problem with that is, is that we think we're smart. And in our knowledge and our understanding through the books and through our educational systems, we have gotten way out of whack where we rely way too much on the intellect and we kind of ignore the spirit. Because, see, church, we have not understood the reality of the spirit world around us, and it exists. When we go to the ignorant parts of the world, what we would call underdeveloped third world nations, they know the spirit world exists. We look at them and they're ignorant. They know it's existing. They know it's just as real as me and you. They know. And we in the United States ignore that. I want you to hear me because God, the Holy Spirit, dwells within us. We are possessed by God. That's a good thing. We are possessed by God. So then as God possesses me, think about what that says. He owns me. He's leading me. It's no longer Dave. It's God. So that's why God's saying, go this way. Don't go that way. Don't say that. Do this. Because the Spirit of God is trying to make Dave Christ-like, and he knows that I need to change because I'm not. And so the spirit that possesses me is transforming me by the power of God. That is why it's so critical for you and I to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and know who He is. Church, the spirit world exists, and that is the lying spirit world as well, the deceiving spirit world, where the Word of God tells us that the devil comes as an angel of light to deceive the world. His prophets and his apostles teach that twisted truth to mess people up. And here we are in all of our intellect trying to ignore the spirit world as if it doesn't exist. There are people in churches that don't even believe in the devil. He's real. He's a liar and he's a deceiver. Jesus said he is the father of lies and he's deceiving people right inside of buildings with crosses on them. Church, here's what I want to talk about in the spirit world. This is where our educational system has come to and how damaging we have this problem in our nation. People have spiritual issues and we see them as mental disorders and we prescribe drugs to them place them in hospitals and we try and fix them from the outside saying that's not normal behavior 
It's not normal behavior. It's because there is a spiritual influence in their life that they need to be set free from. I've been in those hospitals. I've been in those institutions. I've been around those people. The Spirit is actively involved and working in those areas. And you cannot medicate a spiritual problem. There is an answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. And the power of God can set anyone free from any brokenness. Man, you know, we, church, I'm, I'm inviting you, I'm, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, listen to this amazing God. He has not changed. Your problems are not too big for Him. Lord, set us free, man. Some of us want to carry our brokenness. We've learned our identity in our brokenness. Grow up. That's not who you are. That's who you were. That's not who you are. Stop owning your brokenness. Stop owning the, the, the damage that sin caused in your life that people afflicted upon you. Stop owning that as who you are and begin to see yourself as the child of God that God has created you to be and allow God to set you free from that identity because that is not you any longer. Church, it is an invitation from the Creator. So if I don't get going, you're never getting out of here. How can you grow in your knowledge if you're not spending time in God's Word? Did I read the Scripture in Hebrews 6, grow up? Yeah, okay. I must have bumped my button. We're down in Matthew 13. That's a good thing. Now listen to the explanation. So I'm, I'm talking about the parable of the farmer here that Jesus taught. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. It's okay if people don't get it. It's not your responsibility for people to get it. It's your responsibility to share it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. Church, in verse 22, I want to look at something here to challenge us. We're going to do the other one too. So I got two of them to go through. You ready? The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. So there's this relationship that starts with Jesus, but life continues to dictate and dominate. And you allow the things in life to crowd out the reality of living the Christian faith, growing in your faith and understanding God. Life, real life becomes bigger than your God. That's what Jesus is talking about. The priority of God first gets pushed down the list of the things that we have to do, what we need to accomplish, what we need to get done. And so, spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit, spending time alone with Him, worshiping at church on Sunday, being part of a family of group, of teaching others about Christ, growing in your faith, all that stuff slides down the list of things to do because I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to work, I've got to make money, I've got to do more. And pretty soon, God is no longer the priority of our life. He's been pushed down. 
to an afterthought, an asterisk, and this life stuff, this life stuff as it squishes out your faith is what happens when I find myself in a repetitive cycle of every night laying on my pillow saying, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I did it again. You should do that when you need to. But if that's your normal behavior, I want you to know it's time to grow up. It's time to understand that God must be the priority of your life. Let's go back to that that message from Christ to the churches in Revelation. Do you know what he wrote to the church in Ephesus? That same church that wrote that letter that we read that is Ephesians. When Paul writes to that church, when you read the epistle to the Ephesian church, he speaks about their incredible love right in the very beginning. He compliments them about that. This is probably in the area of 50 to 60 AD. John the Apostle on the Isle of Patmos in the years of around 95 to 98 AD has a vision from God and writes the book of Revelation. Jesus himself is the one that mandates and dictates a message through John to the church and he addresses the church in Ephesus specifically as one of those seven churches. And this is what Jesus says to them. I'm not going to give you a verbatim. You can read it in, in Revelations 2 and 3, but this is what he tells them. I see the good stuff you've been doing. Good job. But I have something against you. You lost your first love. I used to be first. I'm not anymore. You're doing church stuff. I appreciate all that. And God said that. But Jesus says this to him. Repent. Because you've lost your love for me. And if you don't repent and get back to that place where I'm the first priority, this is what Jesus says. I will snuff you out and remove you. Why? See, because the church does not function as God's people. It's worthless to God. God's not interested in keeping churches open. God's interested in transforming lives. All right? He, he doesn't need a church to be God. He died to transform people to be the church. And so when the church loses God as the priority, and even though they do church stuff, God stuff, if He's not the priority, He knows who we're doing it for. If we don't love Him, and He's not first, He says, I'm a jealous God. I am not okay with being an afterthought. I'm not okay with being an, an asterisk at the end of your day. I'm not okay with you telling me every single night, sorry, good night, sorry, good night, sorry, good night, while I live my life. Crowded out by worries. This is what Jesus just told us in that parable. Crowded out by worries. Let me ask you some, these are not my action steps, they're my pre, just so you don't get excited. What is consuming your thoughts? What is it that is just owning you? What seems to regularly get you stuck in a rut of self-destruction? What is that? Can you identify that? Do you see what's messing you up? Do you hear it? What is it that crowds your mind when you seek God? 
When you plan to read or pray, what is it that is distracting you? Look, I'm not promoting a legalistic faith. I I came from that background. I am not telling you if you don't spend at least one hour with God in the morning, you're not spiritual. That has not anything to do with it. Okay, what we are talking about today is, are you growing in your faith? Or has life squeezed your faith almost completely out of you? Is God the priority, or is life too busy to make Him a priority? Amen. All right. Do you know God more today than you ever have before in your life? So I didn't ask you, do you feel God more than you ever have before in your life? You know the reason for that is? When you're a baby, you need to feel Him more. So young in your faith, you experience God's presence more prevalently and more often. So it's time to grow up. So it's not that coddling thing all the time, like depending on feeling God to know He's there. We often find ourselves, and we use that terminology in church a lot, when we feel his presence. Okay, he, I do at times. I, don't, I want you to hear me right. I feel God's presence, but God is present, whether I feel him or not. He is here with us, and he loves us. So as I grow with him, I should not need to depend upon feeling him to know whether I encountered God or not. I mean, George Barna did a, sur- a survey several years ago to the church. He does research for churches and stuff. And he, he asked a question of people. When is the last time you felt God's presence in worship? And I was laughing when I read the question. It's like, dude, come on. God's there. Whether you feel him or not. The question is, have you engaged God in worship? Not that you feel him. Have you engaged him? He's there. Give him a hug. Don't wait for him to hug you. For all you huggers out there, God's like coming at you. All you ones that are like, oh, I hate this part of service. I'm going to come later. I just want you to know I'm going to chase you down. All right. (laughs) If you're watching online, Eric, that was for you. Um, Okay. So maturity brings something, doesn't it? The Word of God tells us, this is what Jesus said to us. The, the fourth group was that those that matured and grew and they produced something. So this is the thing. If you are a Christian and you're living for God, something spiritual should be happening through you that impacts other people. So this is what the Word of God says. This is Jesus, remember? The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And there was three ands in there. And produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. There's this expectation that as we mature in our faith, we produce. We're not going to all produce the same thing, so stop comparing yourself to others. This is Jesus talking. Some are going to do 30, some 60, some 100. If you're a 30, it's okay. Stop trying to be a 100. You're just messing yourself up. Let God do the work. It's His job to produce. It's our job to be faithful. Look, I can compare myself with the mega pastors of all the churches that have thousands and feel like, man, I suck as a pastor. And feel like I can get better if we have more people. 
Come on, that doesn't mean jack. If, if God's called me to be a pastor that produces 30, I want to do 30, not 29. And I don't want to be miserable and hate myself because I'm not 60. You follow me? It's let God do his thing. Let God produce it. What is being produced in and through your life? What's being produced in and through your life? Okay, so uh, I want to say this clearly and, and nicely. So, like in your home, what spiritual activity is happening? At your work, what spiritual activity is happening? At school, at the mall, at the grocery store, online. In social media, what's being produced through you? Pretty easy to see. So now that I step back and I look at the areas in which God has said, I am the salt and the light in those communities, and I'm in that community, I'm part of it. And they all suck. And I hate them. How is that right? See, look, this is what God's word says. You're the one that's loving them when they're unlovable. You're the one that's being kind to them and gentle even when they're using you. You're the one that when they ask you for something, you say, sure, take it, even if I am using it and I need it for the next hour. Come on, man. This is God's word. He's saying to us, we're different now. That's where people are like, wait a minute. You're different. Yeah, you know why I'm different? Uh Uh-oh, I got a God moment to share a God story with someone. God has changed my life. You know, I was a jerk before. I'm sorry about that. I have been not right in the past. God's changing me. I want you to know that. And if I screw up in the future, I welcome you to tell me, and I'll ask your forgiveness right then and there. Talk about a transparent life. That's what God's called us into. Okay, look, that's how Tucson's going to change. That's the way it's going to happen. Because the church begins to live the faith, growing and maturing in their faith. So let me, um, let me help you and us together to know some things so we can get out of here in just a moment. Um, what is God doing in you to, that is producing spiritual things? What's he doing that is producing spiritual things in and through your life? So um, here's a problem that we have in the church in the, in the United States. And again, I'm not thinking of you You may have said this to me, but I don't remember you saying it, but a lot of people have said it to me. This is what they say. They've come from a different church. And I say, hey, welcome. You know, we're glad you're here and stuff. And uh, what church did you go to? And, and, um, you know, why did you leave there? I wasn't being fed. So you may have said that. I don't remember you saying it. I just remember a lot of people have said that. So I just want you to know what that says to me. That you need a nursery. Let me give you your bottle. I'll help you. Let me take care of you. Let me coddle you so that you like us and we meet your needs. Grow up. Yes. Because see what we screwed up in in the church is we've we've like we've invited people into the consumer mindset. This is where our brains messed us up in the church too where we come and we look at a church and say, what do they offer? Do they meet my needs? And it's like, seriously, grow up. If you're looking for a church that meets your needs, I want you to know we're not it. 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, we got problems. But if there's a need here and it's not existing, maybe you're here because God wants you to use to meet that need. Nobody comes to me and says, you know, God's called me here and I'm here to meet a need. What do you need? How can I serve? You know, I mean, people ask how they can serve. Don't misunderstand me. But do you understand what I'm saying? It's that consumerism. We stand back and say, well, what are you offering? Eh, music, so-so. Preaching, eh, service too long. It's a little warm in there. Let me see. Am I going to come back or not? Like, what in the heck are we doing, man? Come on. God has called us in this incredible relationship with Him, and we're to be living that faith out there. And if your church is dead, you ought to ignite it. And if the pastor's not preaching the Word of God, leave that church. Leave it. Leave it and shake off your sandals. But don't come here and tell me to babysit you. I'm not going to do it. The church is not supposed to be a nursery. We're supposed to be maturing people. We have a nursery. But grow up. Philippians 4. You ready? You need to get moving because we're two minutes over. Don't worry about anything. Come on, what's messing with you? You know how consumed we get? Remember what Jesus said? The cares of this life squeeze it out of us. This is what the Word of God says. This is why we need to know God's Word. This is one of my favorite sections of Scriptures, and it speaks to our culture today. Don't worry about anything. How am I going to pay the bills? Where are we going to live? How am I going to get this job done? What am I going to do about this? How am I going to do that? Where am I at? Where am I going to lunch today? What are we doing? Come on! Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Here, you want a little agenda to live by? It's right here spelled out in God's Word. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. God, you've done amazing stuff, even in spite of me. Look at all you've done. You're amazing. Here's what I need. And then when you bring it to God, you look at that list and you're like, eh, maybe I really don't need that, but God, that'd be cool if you do that too. <laughs> Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace. Oh, the reason why you're stressed out, worried, and anxious is you're not experiencing God. Oh, that's because you're worried and consumed and you're not praying, thanking Him, and just trusting Him. It's right there in the Word of God. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand so far above our intellect, so far above me and you. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Aren't you glad? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Here's what he tells you. Here's the key to a worry-free, anxious-free life. Put your stinking thinking... Get your brain engaged with God. Start thinking about the things of God, the good things of God, the truth about God, the glory of God, the amazing fact that He wants to have a relationship with you. And pretty soon the things in His life are like, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll get through. We'll make it. He always provides, church. He does it all the time. This is how we grow. This is how we grow in our faith. We live like that. 
We don't just talk about it. We actually live like that. And when we live like that, people ask about it. It's going to happen naturally. You don't have to figure out ways to plant the seeds, to share the stories. It's going to happen naturally because the Spirit of God is inspiring and moving in all areas. Here's my action steps. You can do another applause right there. This is the end. (laughs) Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you have not, today's the day. We're not just here to have church. We have a relationship with God, and we want you to have one. He's amazing. He loves you, and he is inviting you on this incredible journey of God life. If you don't know him, we call this the altar, and we would invite you to come forward and receive him as your Lord and Savior, if you would. We want to encourage you and join with you in that incredible commitment. Those of you that have received Christ, how have you been growing in your faith this week? What has been consuming your thoughts, causing worries and anxiety? What spiritually is being produced in your life? Those are the questions for us to contemplate what God is doing, looking at my life and assessing. So here's the thing. We don't need to be babies but continuously come forward at the altar and repent over and over and over again for about the same thing. Okay, so if someone's a baby, they can crawl to the altar. We would expect that. But if you've been walking with God for a while... And you need to crawl up here, crawl up here, but walk out. <laughs> All right? Walk out. Changed. Believe God. He's here to transform you. All right? So the last thing I'm going to tell you is that we have some classes to help you grow in your faith. Growing in Christ is the basic one that we teach, and it's going to start again on August 6th, which is Tuesday, at 645. So mark your calendar and come to the church and be a part of that growing in Christ. If you've already taken growing in Christ, we're going to offer another class at that same time, which is the second one to it, the Spirit-filled follower of Christ. Okay, so we want you to come and be a part of that. And let's grow together. Let's get past these basics and let's move on with God into newness of life. Stand with me, so I'll let you out of here. This altar's open. If you need Jesus, come on down here. If you need Him as your Savior and you don't know Him, come and meet Him. If you've been immature in your faith and you know it, come and repent and walk out of here with him by the power of this amazing God who loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's so incredible, isn't he? We trust you, Lord, with what you're doing. Just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. He's calling. He's so faithful. He's amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. God's not the author of confusion. It's not like, is it or isn't it? Yeah. Listen, those of you that confessed earlier that you needed to trust and obey and whatever the third one was that you spoke publicly, I want to invite you to come and give it to them. Say yes, obey, obey, do it, get in it. If you didn't say it out loud, but you know what that one thing is that's causing that in your life, come and give it to them. Be free of that stuff. Walk out of here delivered. God loves you. Don't just leave. Let's leave changed. God, we love you. We're proud of you, young lady. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I see the smile on your face. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. God, you're so faithful to us. I thank you. I thank you for every person in this room, everyone watching online. God, you're so amazing. We're so humbled. We want to grow. 
Lord, we don't want to just be comfortable in our faith. We want to be uncomfortably moved in our faith as we grow with you. Draw us, Lord. To everyone that is here, you know why they're here, because you have called them. We give these things to you together and say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We're yours. Amen? We are yours. God bless you, church. Have an amazing week with him. He loves you. God's up to something. Let's be part of it. Thank you, Lord.